Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the dumb news of the month that was through hilarious op-ed and goofy debate. This particular show was recorded on December 6, 2017 at Chicago's Cafe Mustache. Enjoy. All right, so before we get started with the Skewer, what we like to do is have a, have a fun game to get you in the show mood. Who would like to have a pre-show game? Clap. Thank you for playing along. Let's bring up the host of our pre-show game, Kevin Johnson. Kevin! Kevin! We're clapping. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you got to clap. That's how it is. You come to the show, you clap at it. If you weren't going to clap, you could have stayed home. Don't uh, stay home. Don't, don't stay, stay home. home. Don't. But That is bad hosting, Tom. So, Kevin... Well, what else is new? Um, Kevin, what is, this new, what is this game that we're bringing you up to play? What is it? Uh, we live in the end times... And so you got to figure out the lies from the truth in this simple news game. So, so you're going to, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to give a contestant yeah. a series of news stories, one of which is false. You're going to test their ability to suss out the lie. That is, that is true, Tom. That, that kicks ass. Why don't you, you go ahead and pick, pick a victim? They're not victims. They're, they're contestants. Would anyone like to... Figure out the truth. I do. All right, Tom. All right. Show them how it's done, Tom. All right. So I actually make this kind of difficult, and no one's ever gotten three for three. So let's try. Yep. Okay. Okay. First story. You know truck nuts, right? Truck nuts. Yes, of course. The greatest invention. Well, a Spanish company now has a product called Nice Balls. And they ceremoniously hang from underneath your desk. Oh, oh, at work? Wherever you want them. Okay. Okay, so that's story one. Story two, the state of Washington is set to designate driving while using vape pens as a DUIE, you know, for the electronic, to curb (laughs) growing use and douchebaggery. Story three, after a robbery on the south side of Chicago, the suspect was hospitalized for accidentally shooting himself in the dick. I saw that one. That one rules. <laughs> okay, so both one and two, the nice, nice balls. Nice balls. Nice balls and uh, what was number two again? D-U-I-E for the, the vaping. Yeah, those both sound fucking absurd. Uh, however, I want the, uh, the desk nuts to be true, so I'm going to say that the vaping one is a lie. The vaping one is a lie. The, the DUIE is actually for electronic devices like your phone, uh, not vaping. Yeah, and, okay. and the tagline for nice, ball is, nice balls is, be productive whilst you touch your balls. Very interesting. Right? Okay. There we go. I just thought you would like to know that. Why not? All right. Set two. Story one. Steph Curry, you know, the basketball player, Golden State Warriors, was mentioned in the House Republicans tax plan. I don't know why. I'm just, sure. That's what I'm, just telling, that's what I'm telling you. Uh... Second story, Louisiana judges refused to hear an appeal suggesting that the defendant was asking for a canine lawyer. Whoa! Ooh. Dog lawyer! Yes. Yes. The rules don't say a dog can't play lawyer. Yes. Exactly! <laughs> and story three, due to a promotion hinging on the Houston Astros winning the World Series, a furniture store in Houston is forced to pay millions in refunds. Ah. <laughs> uh. Man, dog, if dog lawyer is false, I, I just give up. 
Um, let's go with that Houston Astros one. They all sound fake to me. Uh, that you, you picked the right one. It was the other way around. If the Houston Astros had uh, won, then he would have had to like fucking just given all these refunds if anyone had like $6,000 or over, which would suck for him. Wait, wait, I thought they did win? I don't know about sports. No, 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 I think it was like the Dodgers or something. No one in here plays or watches sports. Yeah. Logan Square. (laughs) There is a TV, but it's showing like abstract art. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, here's space, I guess, from Star Wars, but we're not in hyperspace. What the fuck is this? It's like... Whatever, it's dots. So yeah, for the, the Airbud one, he was asking for a lawyer, dog. <laughs> and then the judges, I guess, were just being racist and be like, we don't know, we don't have any fucking canine lawyers. Yeah. And while that I know that is racist and I would defend him, I think he was being convicted of child rape, so whatever, <laughs> oh, fuck him. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, your, your third set of stories. Uh, Protocol states that Chuck E. Cheese employees must dispose of the animatronic namesake with a ritualized fire. With a, with a what? Ritualized fire. Just like a ritual fire. Just, you know, just like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fuck you would do. Okay. Cool. Uh, second story. Marilyn Manson attempts to justify his actions and stay relevant after uh, brandishing a rifle on stage in San Bernardino. Famous for, you know, mass shooting. Woo. That's cool. Okay. Uh, third story. A gynecologist in Pennsylvania is being bombarded with calls from men who are trying to set up appointments uh, after she recently became eligible to prescribe marijuana. (laughs) Okay, so my thoughts Mm -hmm. are Marilyn Manson was an outspoken uh, cultural commentator during the Columbine times talking about how shooting was bad. He he took a hot stance that shooting was bad. So I feel like it would be hypocritical of him to, 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 to just use that imagery to shock. So I'm going to hope for the best and say that was fake. No, no, that actually happened. Ah! And he wasn't apologetic about it. He was like, oh, it was totally a fake rifle. You could tell from, I guess, not being on stage. Uh, the, the Chuck E. Cheese one is actually fake. They actually have to smash its fucking head in. <laughs> and the preferred uh, method, I guess, is with a sledgehammer. There you go. Yeah. You've, you've learned something, people. Anyway. <laughs> Let's get ready for show. Let's get ready for show. Tom coming back up to the mic. Wow. I'm done. <laughs> Incredible. What a natural series of events. So organic. So nice. Everybody, welcome to the skewer. I know that like we've been doing the show for like a couple of minutes, so it's hard to like pretend like it's exciting, but welcome to the skewer! There we go, beautiful. I'm your host, Tom Harrison. The skewer, of course, is a live monthly satirical news review where we make fun of the stupid news of Geo Hell using fun op-eds and debates. And I'm gonna start off the show by reading some words. That's usually how it goes. And before I get into the meat of what happened this month and what's going on, I would like to just call out the goddamned audacity of you people coming to a comedy show about current events. I don't know what you're expecting, but oh boy, you better be ready to get real sad. (laughs) 
This was a very hard opener to write, not the least of which because, uh, my friends, I've written about 19 of these, uh, and I noticed that they all seem to go very much the same. Trump is bad, the government is bad, the capitalist class is waging war on our existence every second of every day. Here are a few pieces of good news to make you feel hopeful. <laughs> Let's all fight for justice. And then we're done. Uh, and for a while I was feeling bad about that. Like, am I stuck in a rut? And then I remembered, fuck no, it's not my fault we live in this demented dumb show that just repeats endlessly unchanging forever like a skipping Rafi record in hell. So I decided to just do a bog standard liberal bubble screed where I pander to your lefty asses and tell you that the things you already believed were right and that you're very smart. Are you cool with that? You want that? Yeah! Excellent. So, this month, as we all know, the GOP passed the Cut 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 Act, a tax bill that is an act of cruel, miserable, unprovoked, and unprecedented violence way worse than 9-11. What? I hear you. And I agree, of course, 9-11 is a horrific act of violence that took thousands of innocent lives in a devastating catastrophe, the likes of which have never been seen. But, at least the people behind it correctly identified that America did wreak a ton of injustice in the Middle East. The Cut, Cut, Cut Act will almost certainly directly kill more Americans than 9-11. And the only justification behind it is to help like 10 rich dudes give their enormous Nazi sons $100 billion <laughs> instead of $50 billion. Are you radicalized yet, folks? Yeah. If you were silent, wh why the fuck not? Why, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I am furious every second of every day. Like I sit at my work making spreadsheets, typing up emails to people in India to tell them to stop shelling, selling t-shirts, a Pac-Man drinking a beer. <laughs> And I just look around and I watch everyone just like blithely talking about stranger things. <laughs> talking about the bears. And I'm like, are you not also living in rage hell? I guess not. <laughs> and I wouldn't even hate the billionaires that much if they spent their money on anything cool. Like a rocket car or a hologram machine to play Yu-Gi-Oh with. But it seems like the only thing billionaires want to do with their money these days is fuck kids and have lunch with Steve Bannon. Like, how can you not taste blood when you learn that Joe Ricketts, the billionaire owner of Gothamist and DNA Info, who shut down both sites out of spite at the first sign of a union, now gets to pay even less of his income to the government while you, me, and everyone we care about gets that much more hope sucked out of their lives. Friends, I don't want to get too extreme on this stage. I don't want to say anything dangerous or anything I might regret. But faced with these facts, there's really only one thing to say. Folks, I am peeved. <laughs> and the thing about the Cut, Cut, Cut Act that really fucking guts me is that it is 0% Donald Trump. The only Trump thing about it is the name, the Cut, Cut, Cut Act, which he coined, and they didn't even use, by the way. That's not the real name of the bill. It's my choice to keep calling it that because it's hilarious. <laughs> the Cut, Cut, Cut Act. Um, but no, it, it, was, it was the principled conservatives 
who bravely tut-tut at improper protocol and write soaring prose about how Donald Trump is a rude, crude dude with a no-good-tude. The ones who get glowing profiles in magazines about how these Republicans are the good ones that we can proudly be bipartisan with. They were the ones who voted for this shit. They made it happen. They were the ones who wrote it. They're the ones who fucked us. And they're the ones who say that they can't fund children's health programs because they hate giving handouts to people who won't work to help themselves. They're the ones saying that anyone who isn't paying the estate tax is probably just wasting their money on booze, movies, and women. One of these things is not like the other. Uh, this shit would have happened with, with nice, kind President Jeb Bush. I fucking guarantee it. It's hard to believe things are this bad, but they are. Or rather, it's hard to believe that the fucking GOP is this bad, but they are. Every fucking single one of them, except for Bob Corker, he didn't vote for it, but whatever, he's probably still bad anyway. <laughs> I've said it before, and it remains true, we weren't even tricked. They didn't even hide it in a lie. Anyone can look, anyone can look at their agenda for like a second and be like, oh shit, it's really evil. And the GOP is like, nah, actually it's good. And the public's like, eh, what are you going to do? I guess it's good. <laughs> a good friend of mine said that to someone who doesn't follow politics, uh, being told what the GOP's true intentions are and what those consequences will be is like being told that goblins are real <laughs> yeah. and that they're going to cast a spell on your house tomorrow. It's like, uh, what? No, you're, you're wrong. Move on. People say this Congress acts like comic book villains. The thing about villains is that they generally try to trick you with a scheme instead of just being like, hey, we're going to kill you. Are we cool? Is that cool? It is? Okay. And all this bitching about the evil murderers in Congress isn't to say that Trump's not bad. Like, I was reflecting this month, like, hey, you know... The Trump presidency hasn't really been as bad as I feared. And then I fucking thought about it for like another second. I realized, no, it's way worse. The only good thing is that he hasn't used a nuke yet. Last week, he retweeted a literal snuff film by a British fascist party that has already murdered liberal politicians in the street for being race traitors. And when that happened, every Twitter employee simultaneously got the biggest boner of their lives. And if you're, oh, you probably, you probably thought that joke was sexist. What about all the women, trans people, non-binary people at Twitter who don't have penises couldn't get a huge boner? To which I will rebut to you that Twitter is a tech company in Silicon Valley. I dare you to go to Twitter HQ and yell out men's rights are and not have everyone in earshot immediately respond an important issue in unison. <laughs> so what do we do? What's the solution? I don't know, but what we should do, as trite as it sounds, is fucking vote. Like, here, we in Chicago, we're going to be fine. Like, we're going to have two Democratic senators. We're going to have a Democratic representative. Like, that's for sure. But, like, 
Even so, take this district, the 4th District, for example. Longtime Representative Luis Gutierrez announced that he's not going to seek re-election next term, which I assumed was because it was about to break that he was a huge sex pervert, but apparently not. <laughs> Good job, Luis. He personally, personally endorsed Chuy Garcia as his successor. Chuy, of course, being the guy that you're all still sad didn't beat Rahm in 2015. Meanwhile, uh, the hard-left Democratic Socialist Alderman Carlos Rosa, my alderman, the only alderman to oppose the creation of a new police academy in this city, is running for that same seat. And sort of a sidebar, but I really love that like, the big criticism of Rosa I keep seeing is that he's racist against white people. Because yeah. like, if you've spent even a second in Logan Square, his district, you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> He's right. I'm racist against white people, too, now. <laughs> and, like, it seems crazy that this is the situation. It seems like, it, how, how is it possible to have an election where one of the candidates isn't a vicious sex criminal who thinks that having a non-Caucasoid skull shape is a capital crime? But here we are with an opportunity to actually pick and choose between left-wing options, all of which are good. It's a fucking treasure that we should appreciate and take advantage of. But in places where it's not a lock to be full blue, voting still works. Like this month, Danica Rome, a trans woman, won a state delegate seat in Virginia. Yeah. I didn't have to write anything good. I just said a thing. She won a delegate seat in Virginia, ousting the author of that state's evil-as-shit bathroom bill. Meanwhile, Lee Carter, a 30-year-old socialist with a devastatingly doughy little punum, yes. <laughs> who, by the way, was working construction, got electrocuted and almost died, and when he woke up, he was like, socialism is good to me now. <laughs> it's like getting superpowers, except, like, not as cool. <laughs> he defeated Virginia's fucking House Majority Whip in a deep red district. If nothing else, we should be calling our representatives every single day and asking them, hey, buddy, what are you doing to make sure everyone has the right to vote next election? Yes. We should be using any money and time that we have at our disposal to make sure people can, get, people can get the IDs they need to make their voices heard. We can win. We do have power. Even if it's basically a certainty that Roy Moore will be the 46th president of the United States. I'm joking, but am I? And, <laughs> Jesus, wow. <laughs> and if 2018 does come and go and voter suppression works, if the GOP really does rig the game and they come out of the election unscathed or stronger, well, um, what I don't want to do is endorse violence. I would never advocate violence. I got, I, you have to understand, it's never the answer, and I denounce it completely. And anyone who would advocate violence, I also denounce entirely zero tolerance. Having said that, I'd like to now speak directly to the NSA agent who is monitoring this recording for seditious language and let him know, hey, uh, yeah, we're all clean here, buddy. Just check the box that says Patriot and move on. I know you have a lot of work, you have a lot of uh, audio to listen to today. No need to listen to the rest. I'll just give you a nice little gift. Ch skip, skip it. Okay.
Well, now that it's just us. <laughs> you guys, did you know that guillotines are like really cheap and fast and very effective? <laughs> they hit us with the cut, cut, cut act. Bitch, only fair to return the favor. And that's me. Thank you, everybody. Now, before we get to our first op-ed of the evening, I would like to call up the stage skewer, co-producer Erica Dreisbach, to give a voicemail op-ed. Erica, what's a voicemail op-ed? Uh, a voicemail op-ed is where we do the thing up here right on stage where we call our representatives. Oh, that hard thing. Oh, that hard thing of calling reps. But it's so good. It's one of the only things keeping a level of sanity in this country and in public life right now. So right now we're going to call Minority Whip Dick Durbin, who is one of our senators, with a radical proposal. So here's the thing. When you're trying to call after hours, um, usually the D.C. offices do not have voicemail. But the Springfield office certainly does. It's ringing. It's ringing. It's ringing. Y'all been calling your reps lately? Yeah. Good. A tepid response. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> okay. We're ringing, but it's coming soon. I promise you. And I think this might be the last ring. Here we go. I tried to get Tom to let me do prank calls. <laughs> <laughs> but then we were both very frady cat about it. Oh, it's still ringing. Well, I could call the White House Situation Room. I have that number. Okay. Ooh, here we go. Okay, thank you for calling the Springfield office of Dick Durbin. Please leave your name and telephone number. And a member. Okay. Hello, my name is Erica Dreisbach. I'm a constituent in 60618 in Chicago, Illinois. I don't need a response from the senator. I am just calling to thank the senator for all he's doing to support the DREAM Act and support dreamers in this country and also in Illinois. And I'm also calling for him to propose a tax strike. These taxes of mine that I pay every day, well, just about. Okay, I'm getting cut off. <laughs> I'm just going to send it to him as is, and I'm going to tell you what I would have finished up with. So Dick keeps it real tight in the Springfield office. You can only leave a 30-second voicemail, which is smart on his part. When you call your representatives, they legally have to stay on the phone until you're done talking. So if they're trying to hurry you off, you just keep talking. They're held hostage by you. That's a little tip I learned. And... Um, I was going to ask him to do a tax strike because I'm sick and tired of my taxes being used to fund that asshole's golf trips or being uh, used in a slush fund because Congress is sexually harassing all their interns and making little payouts. So if I just do it on my own, the IRS is going to come for me. But if everyone in Illinois does it... Mm, anyway, 
that's my time on op-ed voicemails. We've also got a ton of great merch here, including the Skewer book, Skewer stickers, and buttons. So come over and see me and sign up for our email list. Oh, thank you again to Erica Dreisbach for leaving 30 seconds of voicemail. Yeah, I was gonna call the NRA like live and ask them how much left-wing thought can I do before it's legal to kill me, and then I'm like, they really will, so I didn't. Uh, so it's time to move on to the op-ed portion of our evening. We're gonna have some of the most delightful and, and amazing writers you'll ever see come up and read to you a delightful op-ed about the news, entertaining and informative. Our first op-ed writer was going to be Kristen Lighty, a longtime Chicago union organizer and producer of Mom Jeans, the last show of which is here at Cafe Mustache at December 20th. But she couldn't be here, so in her place is someone who looks identical to her, but trust me, it's different. Uh, a representative from the Department of Labor. A representative, thank you. Thank you. Actually, just part of the community outreach we're doing as the Department of Labor, we have some changes we want to talk about with you. So, if you could give me a moment. All right. Uh, it's weird I have the same name as that lady, too. So, <laughs> it's me, Kristen Lighty. Uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, right now with the Department of Labor, we're in the middle of a very exciting corporate merger. Yeah, that's right. We are now known as the Department of Flavor because we've been bought out by Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I didn't know government agencies could be purchased, but the synergy is just that strong. Um, so, we're the same old Department of Labor that you've known and loved, uh, except our offices are located in Buffalo Wild Wings, and they are only open the second Wednesday of every month from 7 to 8 p.m. So make sure you plan accordingly. Let's see. We do have some new faces in our department. Uh, not them. Okay. Uh, no. Um, here we have the Secretary of Labor, Alexander Acosta. Anyone familiar? All right, well, he, he is our new boss, and it's just been a blast. When asked about upward mobility in the United States, Alexander said, from dishwasher to CEO, that's the story of the hospitality industry. And for those of you who have worked as dishwashers, you know that this really speaks to the fact that Alexander is really, just knows what it's like to be a working person in America. Yes. <laughs> And he is not at all a totally crazy rich person, so rich that he's teetering on the fact of being a supervillain. <laughs> all right, so we're also streamlining some of the legality at the Department of Labor. Okay, right now, you may know already, you're an at-will employee. Yeah, and what that means is you can leave your job at any time and you can also be fired at any time. So like you and the company have equal rights, right? <laughs> um, but what we found is that ju this just creates too much instability uh, 
for the corporation, because <laughs> they're people too, right? And they have budgets they need to plan. Um, so yeah, we're gonna change that up a little bit. You're now a willing employee. Uh, what this means is you can't quit your job. You, you can only be disposed of. Um, look how happy you made the corporations. They will surely take favor on you. Uh, all right. So like I said, you can only be disposed of, right? And here's some certain situations warranting disposal. Taking breaks, that's a big no-no, big cost. Taking personal days to take care of family members. Taking time off. Claiming your family on your insurance. Actually, having a family. <laughs> you will be disposed of. But good news, when you are disposed of, you get to enjoy all the dipping sauces you could ever want for free. Uh, in order to get these dipping sauces, you must go to our Freedom Fun Camp. Yeah! That is an all-expense-paid trip. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Pepsi presents Freedom Fun Camp. Oh, and you'll also hang out with a lot of cool dudes there, so good times. We have a lot of new, exciting job programs happening. If you're working in the service industry, you will be given a free jumpsuit. Uh, jumpsuits are handed out according to race and ethnicity. Don't worry about it. Some of the new programs we've created, uh, swimsuit modeling, that's uh, a really big one. Um, we, he's put like 95 million into that. Uh, it's, we have business modeling for the men folk, you know. Fixing stuff good, I, some public works thing, I guess, I don't know. Um, dismantling what's left of the country's social safety net via privatization. Another 95 million into that one. Uh, that's all he does. <laughs> and finally, I don't know, army? Have you tried the army? <laughs> we don't have a lot of jobs. All right. So what this presentation is really about is worker freedom. That's what we're excited about at the Department of Labor. That's what we're here to present to you today. And one of the biggest uh, upcoming tenants of worker freedom is AFSCME versus Janice. Who's excited? You should be. You may have heard a lot about this Supreme Court case that it's union busting and a ridiculous attempt to create, like, take all the public funding or take all the dues money away from unions so that they can't even function and support their members anymore. But no, this is about freedom. <laughs> It's really about greedy teachers. Am I right? And I mean, with a salary on average of $36,000, can we as taxpayers really afford that? Yeah, I mean, they're constantly fixing their monocles and polishing their Mercedes Benzes. I'm here to say, no more, no more. Some of the other long-term effects we'll see from the uh, AFSCME versus Janus case is no more boring health and safety trainings, right? Everyone hates OSHA. It's just a bunch of letters. How's that going to help you? 
We're also going to see the decline of contracts. Contracts, just a bunch of rules, right? And <laughs> rules are made to be broken, huh? And pensions. <laughs> Who likes math? No one. So life will be so much easier. And that's just right now for the public sector. But luckily, Christina Rasmussen, oh, I'm sorry, it should not say eater of children and their futures. <laughs> office pranks. Uh, that should say former chief of staff for Governor Rahner. Um, she's taken this package and bringing it to the private sector. So, you know, people who are carpenters and steel workers and other leeches on society can also experience worker freedom and have their unions completely busted. Uh, I do want to speak a bit about Christina. She is a woman and uh, not a former Japanese sex bot program by Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. <laughs> she is a woman. Please stop saying that. All right. So in closing, freedom. Any questions? <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> One more time for a uh, Department of Labor representative who just happens to have the exact same name as Christian Lighty. Christian Lighty! <laughs> How do I, I, I... Is this... Is this... Is this gonna... We gonna hit the, hit the O? Hit the, the one with the circle in it? There we go. I used technology before. Uh, um, so, the next op-ed reader of the night is going to be a writer whose work has featured in the Whiskey Journal. He is also the producer of the fantastic storytelling show, We Still Like You, and just a great stand-up comic who's very funny. You're going to love him. Please welcome Tyler Snodgrass, everybody. Tyler! <laughs> Um, if you have followed the news where you live, um, you're probably uh, terrified of all sorts of things. So I'm here to present some good news uh, in my essay. Um, so on December 1st, so on Saturday, uh, Michael Flynn, President Trump's former national security advisor, was indicted and pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about contracting or sorry, contacting the Russians in order to help the Trump campaign. So while DT would like us to say Merry Christmas, I'm saying treason's greetings, everybody. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and in case you didn't know, uh, in case you're new, uh, lying to the FBI is kind of a big crime. Uh, it's like a big deal. Like, do you know how I know it's a big crime? Because uh, it's a crime no one brags about. That's a crime that no one, like really is uh, a huge on, like, even in rap, you know, they don't, like, <laughs> I've listened to rappers bragging about drug dealing, pimping, drunk driving, domestic abuse, and murder, uh, but lying to the FBI is some hard-ass shit, okay? <laughs> and maybe it's hard to rhyme with, also, I'm not sure. So, Michael, chanting lock her up is really ironic now, Flynn, um, also lied, to, pre uh, to Vice President Mike, I think milk is spicy, Pence. Um, also about contacting the Russians. Uh, but real quick uh, reminder, lying to Mike Pence is not a crime. Um, he has been doing that to himself for years, right? 
All of these lies happened at the beginning of this year. Can you believe it's been a year already? Uh, almost. And Flynn, it's almost, right? And Flynn has, uh, was forced out of his position in February of 2017, making him the OG Scaramucci, the prequel to Priebus, banned before Bannon, you know, the first one. The question is then, did Trump know that Flynn lied to the FBI and therefore knew he, that he had colluded with the Russians and therefore allowed it to happen or encouraged it or tried to stop anyone from finding out? Well, here's some, here's some facts. Uh, the White House's lawyer, Donald McGahn, told Trump in January that he believed Flynn had lied to the FBI and to Pence. Also, former Attorney General Sally Strongjaw Yates told Trump's personal lawyer not that Flynn lied to the FBI, but that he did lie to Mike Pence, and also that what he told the FBI is the same thing that he told Pence. So based on the transitive property, which I googled, um, <laughs> uh, they knew that he lied to the FBI also. Trump then asked then-FBI director James Puffy Ice Comey uh, to <laughs> let this whole Flynn thing go and stop investigating all this dang Russia stuff. Kind of implies Trump knows something about something, right? Well, Comey didn't let it go because someone's got to do their job around there. And before he could get any, uh, too close to any juicy gossip, uh, he was fired, which you probably already know. And also, that's, that's so weird. It's, it's like being broken up with right when you're about to find out you've been being cheated on, right? <laughs> like, you check your partner's phone just to see what the time is, uh, and all of a sudden there's like a sex from someone else on the screen, but you can't register that information quick enough because they say, you're fired from dating me. You know, it's like, that's what happened to him. Then there was Saturday's tweet from Trump, which said this, I had to fire General Flynn because he'd lied to the vice president and the FBI. He has pled guilty to those lies. It is a shame because his actions during the transition were lawful. There was nothing to hide. So you knew Flynn lied to the FBI, according to this tweet, and then you asked Comey to drop the whole thing? Wow, all we had to do to get an admission of obstruction of justice was add some more characters, right? That's all <laughs> we needed, and he didn't even use all of them. It was that easy. Uh, he might as well have tweeted, I had to do whatever Putin told me because he has the PP tape. It was, <laughs> it is a shame because the P during the taping was lawful. <laughs> there was nothing to hide. <laughs> so we're like done here, right? Like we're all done. Uh, it's accomplished. Not quite. Uh, there's a confession to obstruction of justice. Maybe, but not exactly because Trump's lawyer claims to have pinned the tweet. So close. And we were like, but that doesn't sound like Trump, or that doesn't sound like you, sorry. That sounds like a Trump tweet. And the lawyer is like, oh, well, I made it sloppy on purpose. Uh, <laughs> we're like, okay, uh, I know that you shouldn't be slipping through this, but you are somehow. It's kind of like how in college, uh, to get an extension on an assignment, you'd be like, my grandma's dead. Uh, and then by the end of the semester, your professor's like, I don't know how I can prove that you don't have four grandmas, but you <laughs> probably don't have four grandmas. Also, legal experts uh, have said that the law a lawyer like himself would have used the word pleaded instead of the more casual word pled, which the tweet had. Um, and the media was like, okay, so what about the whole pleaded pled thing? And Trump's lawyer was like, look, man, my grandma just died. It's like, <laughs> it's really bumming out my other grandma. So 
Let's leave it alone for a second. All right, so where does that all leave Michael Flynn, knowing what we know now? Well, he has promised to cooperate with the Mueller investigation and turn whoever directed him in to the Russians. Or, I'm sorry, what am I talking about? <laughs> I'm reading just wrong. Sorry, turn in whoever directed him to contact the Russians. Uh, Flynn even made this statement, which I love. He said, I recognize that the actions I acknowledged in court today were wrong, and through my faith in God... I am working to set things right. Uh, that's cute. It's a good thing you have some faith in God. Because um, God forgives people. Um, Trump does not. <laughs> uh, Trump is so quick to turn on people that it's literally the only thing he can do quickly. Uh, that's <laughs> just it. Trump has always said the most important thing to him is loyalty. You can find clips of that. Uh, and that's obviously not true, right? Like, ask his first two wives. Um, or his third wife. Uh, or <laughs> anyone he's fired in the last year. Uh, for example, George from Russia with love, Papadopoulos. Um, he told the Trump team that he knew Putin and could set up a meeting. He worked on getting dirt about Hillary's email scandal by ironically emailing with the Russians, was photographed in meetings alongside Trump and Jeff Sessions, was called an expert and an excellent guy by Trump on camera, and then on October 5th, of this year, he admitted to lying about his interactions with the Russians. And what does the White House do for him? Claims he's a low-level volunteer. Ouch. Papadopoulos. That's no longer a last name. That's the sound of being thrown under a bus. <laughs> Papadopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> then there is uh, Paul Fool's Russian. Get it? Manafort. Um, the former campaign chair was charged with and pleaded guilty to money laundering, lying to investigators, and all sorts of shady stuff involving the Russian and Ukraine governments. Trump praised him and his hard work on the campaign trail on camera, but as soon as Manafort was put under house arrest, Trump said that he, like, knows Manafort, but he hasn't spoken to him in a long time, you know? And uh, that, yeah, he was on the campaign, but, like, just for a short while. I was like, damn, Paul, I hope that ankle bracelet matches the knife in your back. Uh, that sucks. So, anyway, these hoes ain't loyal, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Trump and Pence are whatever the opposite of a golden retriever is, you know? <laughs> And yeah, Pence is not loyal either. I mean, sure, he won't have dinner with another woman uh, because his mother wife will like put him in a crawl space, or I don't know what the situation is. Uh, but Newsweek reported on Monday that Pence gleefully snitched on his fraternity brothers in college because they brought a keg to a party. <laughs> yeah, that's real. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, I want a president I can drink with. I was like, well, you fucked up twice then. Jeez. Uh, so, uh, who's the next to go? Jeff Sessions, perhaps? Sessions and Trump are, like, always on the rocks. They're, like, a couple constantly breaking up in public. <laughs> but then they realize, like, finding a new apartment is hard, and they just stick it out, you know? <laughs> then there's Roy Moore, uh, the disgraced judge and toy cowboy from Alabama running for Senate. Trump and the RNC have now endorsed him, but originally Trump endorsed his opponent in the primaries. And if Moore loses to the guy that's not a pedophile, uh, Trump will probably abandon him again. Uh, and yes, if you uh, are unaware, he is the guy, Roy Moore is the guy that tried to date 14-year-olds uh, while he was in his 30s. Uh, and it is fucked up that he's made it this far. Like, I didn't finish watching House of Cards, and now I can't out of, you know, good conscience. Uh, but he's, like, running for Senate. <laughs> it's like, it's not fair, I guess. We should all be on the same level, right? He's creeped on so many teens, he got banned from a mall. That's a true story. Which means if his polling place was a mall, he couldn't vote for himself. So maybe Jared Kushner, maybe Trump will abandon him next. And it's honestly amazing that Trump 
doesn't hate Jared Kushner already, right? Because Kushner has proven time and time again to be incompetent. He is allegedly the senior advisor who directed Flynn to contact the Russians in the first place. And also, Kushner is having sex with the love of Trump's life. So, <laughs> we'll see. But really... Based on how the GOP is trying to roll back legislation regarding the internet, healthcare, national parks, climate change, social security, and taxing the middle class, the next person Trump is going to throw under the bus, it might not be Michael Flynn, but it's definitely our Midwestern uncle, and that's my time. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tyler. Come on. One more time for Tyler Snodgrass. I love how the Flynn thing happened like last week, and when Tyler started talking about it, I'm like, who's Michael Flynn? Oh, I remember. Uh, before we move on with the op-eds, let's get Kevin Johnson back up on the stage for the second round of the fake news game. We're gonna need a volunteer's tribute, though. Yeah. Oh. I felt like it would be easier for you to not have to go through tables, so I went to this side. Greetings. Hello. Hey. Okay, we did that. All right. All right, all right. Are you ready? Enough. Fair, fair. Okay. Story one. Florida man fights to keep his emotional pet, squirrel, support animal. You know, it's very nice. Story two. Florida man arrested after trying to start a white supremacist pizzeria in lieu of Papa John's. <laughs> Papa John's had to shut that down. Can't, can't have that. Not in public, anyway. Uh, story three. Florida man found making a weapon of mass destruction, police say. That escalated a lot. God, Florida man's had a busy day. Huh. Mm-hmm. So we've got emotional... Support. Squirrel. Yeah. Emotional support squirrel. I, I, like, I don't got. know if you put like a little vest on it like you would for a dog. <laughs> oh, kind I of guess. Um, and then we've got the, the white supremacy pizzeria. Mm-hmm. God. And then weapons of mass destruction. God. Florida, man. Why would you do this to me? <sighs> I don't even know if any of these are fake. They're probably real somehow. Like all of them. <laughs> honestly. Because... I'd like to think I'm starting to get wise to some of these trick questions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with squirrel, because part of me thinks that maybe it's almost true, but it's something weirder than a squirrel. No, it is exactly <laughs> as weird as a squirrel. <laughs> There's no pizzeria. They probably always like, have only like white pizza, though, like margarita yeah. bullshit. You're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, uh, nobody wants that. Put some fucking red sauce on that shit. Whatever. Anyway, set two. Uh, zookeepers create a bird enclosure next to a beluga whale area, and the lonely bird—I mean, the lonely whale—learns to chirp for these animals and like talk to them. Isn't that fucking nice? Yeah. Oh. Uh, story two. On a connecting flight, presumably to Cougar Town, a couple of strangers were arrested for enjoying his snake on a plane. And by that, I mean sex. They had sex. They were. Got it. Okay, there you go. Uh, story three: German police fooled, uh, thinking a World War II bomb was in someone's garden, but it's actually just an eggplant. 
Just too cute. I'm going to have to, I'm getting jaded in this year of our Lord 2017. I'm going to go with that one. You're right. There's no good left in the world. But uh, on like a, an okay side, he was actually put into like, I don't know if it was a he or whatever, the fucking beluga whale was put into like this dolphin enclosure and learned how to chirp and talk to them. So that's still kind of nice. Yeah, it's not okay. a bird, but yeah, that's still nice. All right. Third story is a police officer in the UK held the tire of a semi truck for 15 minutes to stop it from tumbling off a bridge. Mm. Sorry, too. In Japan, there's a company that employs roughly 800 actors to provide on-call family and or friends surrogates. <laughs> okay. You know, like, when people are like, I'm going to go on Tinder to get, like, a date for this wedding? You could just, like, hire it, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, story three, Rick Perry, you know, our Secretary of Energy, uh... argued that fossil fuels prevent sexual assault. The, okay. The Lord will not help you now. No. Or um, whatever one, I don't know. Hmm. God. Can you read them all again? I'll paraphrase. Yeah. There's there's a cop in the UK yeah. preventing a semi truck from tumbling off a bridge, which mm. I guess just his body weight just holding that shit down. Uh second there's a, a Japanese company that will send you a surrogate. Yeah, I got him on for your lonely times. I remember our buddy Rick. Yeah. Somebody's buddy Rick. Uh, hmm. Fuck, man. Um, you know what's good radio? Listening to breathing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? This is the best podcasting. It's just dead air, right? Yes. Am I podcasting wrong? Um, yeah, fuck. Let's go with Rick Perry. No, 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 Rick Perry really fucking said that shit. He was, he was like, no, 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 shit doesn't happen when there's lights on. Which you get from fossil fuels, of course. Of course, the, but. The fake one, kind of fake, was that the, the police cop dude, he did that to a van, not a semi-truck, but it's that still pretty, like, dope. Sense. That's yeah, pretty fucking that's dope, dope, though. Okay. You did, you did yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot the other part of this game. Like, you know, if you come up and are cool, we'll give you, like, skewer swag. So, you know, put it on, put it on shit. I didn't say that to Tom because he owns this joint. Anyway, welcome him back to the stage. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kevin, for another delightful round of fake news. My God. Some of that shit's very depressing, and I hate it. But it's a, a game is fun. And as Kevin mentioned, we do have skewer merch. We got stickers, which you can get by doing the game. We got pins. We also have the Skewer Best of 2016 book featuring all the best pieces from the Skewer in 2016, a year which, in retrospect, who would have thought, seems like a, a miracle dream. Uh, so let's get our third op-ed reader out to the stage. She is a writer, performer, and comedian, and host of the Seven Deadly Sins Storytelling Show, which you can come see right Right dang here at Cafe Mustache. Please welcome Angela Vella to the stage. Yes. Thank you. All right, I brought a novel up with me. All right, you guys, my article that I wanted to present to you is one that really made me so mad. It is Woman Fatally Shot by Hunter Who Mistook Her for a Deer. 
I know your initial reaction, same as mine. How? <laughs> How? Like, what was, I mean, what was, unless you're like in a costume. But even then, uh, I'm sure she, so, so this woman in upstate New York, uh, let's see, uh, Rosemary Bilquist, she was walking her two dogs, Sugar and Stella, uh, in the fields, in the forest, uh, upstate New York. There was a lot of land around her and the neighbors. Uh, and so she's walking her dogs, and one, her neighbor, her neighbor's son, I'm guessing, because he was 34. I doubt he owned his home. Um, <laughs> you've seen his picture. Uh, you'll see it. Uh, he decided to hunt, and here's the thing. You ha- I guess apparently you have to get permission from your neighbors to hunt within 500 feet of, of their residences. And he said he had their permission, uh, but they called the cops on him. So I don't know uh, how much of that was true uh, that he fabricated. But turns out she was walking her dogs, and he thought she was a deer, shot her in the hip. She ended up dying later in the hospital. Um, but here's, here's a little bit of information, too, uh, that he also was firing his gun... Uh, let's see, I think it was 24 minutes after sunset, which is illegal in the state of New York. Um, I actually looked up, because I was like, oh, okay, is that everywhere? Um, I looked up other states, too. A lot of them varied, but they almost all had laws that have to do with no shooting within either, say, 30 minutes, or some states said one hour before sunrise and after sunset. So he was breaking the law anyway. So my thing is, reading this article, I get to the bottom, and it says... No, uh, it was under investigation, but no charges have been filed. uh, That the police did believe it was an accident and he did not mean to shoot his neighbor. This infuriated me. Um, It really upset me to think that he was able to go home and sleep in his bed that night. That really upset me, that he wouldn't even have been held overnight for anything. Also, never ever mention uh, that like, also, hunting license was revoked (laughs) you know like at least take his hunting license away um because you shot a human being um so something's wrong there um and then uh yeah so i just kind of feel like uh the use of the word accident is is so not appropriate because i feel like in if, if i believe he didn't mean to shoot her but clearly negligence was involved um and so that's where i started looking into well you know um Let's look at the facts, too. So what is an accident versus uh, negligence as far as somebody shooting someone? Um, Oh, also, and and we'll we'll find that out as we investigate uh, policies for other occurrences like this that have happened. A little bit about the woman that was shot, because I feel like we should pay tribute to her as well. Um, Before we move on, uh, she worked as a uh, medical specialist at the nearby hospital. She volunteered at the local hospice program bringing pets to people who were dying to soothe them in their last days. Uh, And then she also volunteered helping dialysis patients to and from the building in their cars when she had spare time outside of the other volunteering. I mean, seriously, like this was, this was the person that lost her life to this guy's negligence, this like amazing stand-up, you know, human being. Uh, So I was, I was furious when I read this. So um, here's the thing. Uh, I, cause I, I never feel I just, like I said, I never feel like, my take on this is I never feel like it's an accident. Some form of negligence had to happen. Like, here's, here's the top three I felt in this situation. One, not looking clearly first, a.k.a. trigger happy. Two, he was hunting after hours and breaking the law thereof. Much like a DUI driver who, you know, you were drinking when you hit that person. Uh, that was number one mistake. Um, three, 
not knowing what a deer looks like. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, I feel like that almost should be number one uh, there. Um, but yeah, so do, do we think this is a, an isolated incident, you guys? No. no. It's not. There have even been other instances, not just of humans being mistaken for a deer, but also instances of humans being mistaken for other animals. Um, here's one. Shot that killed hog hunter, recorded by woman's firearm. Investigators say. Uh, in South Carolina, um, a gunshot killed a hog hunter, a fellow hog hunter, by another fellow hog hunter, um, while uh, they were out there in the woods. And it turns out that... Um, he was mistaken for one of the animals by a female hunter. I don't know why they had to mention she was a female hunter. Nice. That's kind of odd. Really strikes me as odd. Um, but it showed. Now here's the thing. So everything was recorded on her periscope. She had, for whatever reason, she had a recording pers uh, a recording scope. Uh, I don't know. Did I make up the word periscope in this thing? <laughs> it was just it went up in the woods. It was just like <laughs> just looking for everyone. Um, but it was just, it was a hunting scope. Uh, she was in her submarine in the woods. Um, but here's the thing. I'm going to show you a picture of, of her scope that the investigators took. This thing is giant, by the way. It's like a massive professional camera. Um, so apparently this thing, as powerful as it is, wasn't powerful enough to distinguish a human from an animal because it is recorded in the SD card of her scope. Authorities agree that you can't quite tell it's a human. All you can see is a figure on all fours. Maybe he dropped his glasses. I'm like, what? I mean, I, all the many reasons somebody would be down getting some, I was picturing someone like, my contact. <laughs> like, and then he gets shot. I mean, like, what was that? I, I still feel like the human form down on all fours is not quite like a hog. I'm just, I'm not really sure. But apparently this gigantic state-of-the-art device was not enough. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, there haven't been any updates, but as of now, she has not been charged with anything because authorities saw the tape. They went to the tape or SD card, whichever. Uh, they agreed. You can't really tell it's a human. So she has not had any charges filed against her. Um, very infuriating there. Um, and then there are also times uh, where it's not people mistaking a human for an animal. It's just uh, another hunter gets in the way, I guess. Um, or wrong place at the wrong time. I call it hunter on hunter crime. <laughs> um, here's one. Uh, man shot uh, while hunting in Oxford identified. And here it is. Um, a 32-year-old hunter shot another one while they were all pursuing a deer. Uh, he was shot. Uh, he had injuries to both arms. I don't know if he was like, there's a deer. And then like, I don't know, like how both arms happened. Uh, maybe he was like, don't shoot. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but apparently uh, he shot a fellow hunter of his uh, in both arms. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, they are consulting with the district attorney um, to determine if charges will be filed. If. Maybe it's because it's hunter and hunter. They're like, oh, I understand. But it was also saying that taken into investigation was also the consideration on what kind of clothes he was wearing. You know? Um, that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of odd. Um, but that uh, it is being investigated because they do know very recently 10 miles 10 miles from this incident that happened where the guy was shot in both arms, uh, another hunter was uh, shot by another hunter on opening day of, hunt of uh, deer hunting season. Only that guy, you ready, was charged with manslaughter. Oh. Yeah! Oh. Finally! After all this, we finally hear somebody getting charged with something. 
Uh, it said that uh, he was charged with manslaughter, um, and, uh, but he's free on $2,500 cash bail. Um, but still, he's being charged. So that's something. We're getting somewhere. Um, and then uh, here's one that's sad. Um, this is a hunter on hunter one. This one is uh, a, a man shot his son in the face and killed his son. Um, that was an instance where uh, he, they, were, they were hunting. Um, oh, you know, I lost the location, but not that that matters. Um, it was here in the United States. And, um, but they were grouse hunting. Um, and uh, apparently uh, he had the grouse, was going to shoot, and the son, not knowing in the way, way distance, they were probably like 500 you know, feet away, uh, walked in the path when he shot it. He ended up shooting his son and killing his son uh, instantly. Um, no charges. No charges were ever filed. Of course, obviously, that was an accident. But at the same time, I also want to highlight a quote from the dad that he says, you know, it's just that when a grouse flushes, your instinct is to be quick. That was his explanation for why he didn't see his son. You got to be quick, you guys. You got to be quick. Got to hurry up and pull that trigger. And then there's another one that we all know and love. The Dick Cheney hunting yes. <laughs> incident. Yes. Uh, real quick on this one, because everyone's familiar, I'm sure. Uh, Vice, uh, this, is, uh, this was in 2006, uh, at the time, U.S. Vice President Dick Cheney shot Harry Whittington, uh, 78-year-old Texas attorney, while participating in a quail hunt in Texas. Both Cheney and Whittington called the, ac the incident an accident. That was it. Case closed. Uh, no charges filed. Uh, nothing. Um, and here's the thing. There are, other, there are other times that, you know, humans aren't getting shot that, unfortunately, due to hunting... Uh, and negligence and trigger happiness. Other animals suffer that aren't supposed to be, well, any animal, uh, that's just my take, uh, any animal shot during hunting is, uh, shouldn't have been shot. But uh, in this case, uh, accident, we'll say, uh, Canadian hunter shoots and kills therapy dog in front of its owner. This one killed me, you guys. Uh, Canadian woman mourning the loss of her therapy dog, who was a therapy dog trained as the leader of the program for uh, uh, pets uh, assisting children with autism. And this was like the ringleader of those pets, the like number one, everyone's favorite. Um, and you know, she, uh, she was walking her dogs, the dogs that were in the program, and 500 feet away, uh, a guy shot her. She's saying, she's, she's assuming he must have thought it was a wolf, um, but he actually has made no comment. He doesn't care to explain himself. Um, no charges. No charges being filed. Here's the thing. Um, I think there should have been charges filed. Do we agree? Yes, yes. There should have been charges filed. Um, I mean, this is somebody's personal pet and a working pet, too. You know, this isn't just like, oh, miss, I don't know. Um, but here's the thing. So um, it, it's, it's said to his, you know, not defense necessarily, but, you know, to show him as being a, a, a cooperative man, though. Um, local resident longtime hunter, uh, the gentleman uh, not named here, stayed at the scene, and he completely cooperated with audiences. Um, it just appears to be a quote by authorities, an error in judgment. That's what this was reduced to, an error in judgment. Um, so it also, I want to say that while it is the season for, to hunt for black bears and, uh, deer in that region, um, hunting wolves is not allowed in that area anyway. So even if that was the situation, negligence still. Um, and so she says, uh, because no charges will be filed that her plea to him was that he just never take another life again. 
Don't really know that that's gonna happen. Here's the thing, you guys, I have some good news. There have been times that animals have fought back. Yeah. <laughs> I was very delighted, very delighted to find uh, an article that explained times that animals have accidentally shot their owners. Are we ready for this? Here's where, it gets, here's where we can get excited again. All right, uh, in the instance of the, this was uh, a couple years ago, this, in, this uh, event happened. Uh, a Labrador named, are you ready for it? Trigger. I know, it's too perfect. Shot an Indiana woman in the foot during a, a hunting trip. Uh, she had left her loaded gun on the ground with the safety off, because she was a hunting. And uh, it turns out that the dog passed over the gun, stepped on it, and his nail pulled the trigger, shot her in the foot. She was standing next to it. Yeah! Let's cheer for that dog. That dog knew what it was doing. And uh, just a real quick few others. Uh, there was a dog that shot his owner in the leg uh, while riding in his truck because it hopped up on the bed of the truck and the gun was there and it like bounced the gun and the gun went bang and shot the guy. Uh, he didn't die, but he did get shot. Um, another, another instance where a dog jumped onto a bed and knocked over a .38 pistol that was laying on top of the bed. Uh, shot the owner who was sitting there, quote, extremely intoxicated. I'm sure he didn't feel a thing. Uh, and then another one, this one, you guys. Three-month-old shepherd puppy mix shot a man in the wrist with a revolver while he was trying to shoot the puppy and his siblings because he, quote, couldn't find them a home. Oh, wow. So he's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, and then here's one, here's one that, uh, <laughs> help me understand this one, guys. Uh, this one popped up. Uh, very excited about this one. I'm just going to go right into this one. Pickup truck shot by hunter who thought it was a deer in western New York. <laughs> Turns out, you guys, hunters aren't just mistaking humans for animals. Vehicles as well. Um, I literally saw this. I was like, oh, that's got to be like an Onion article. Oh, no, no, no. This was, <laughs> this was a very reputable uh, uh, news source. Um, it says, uh, in uh, North Harmony, New York, an uh, Ohio man shot a pickup truck that he mistook for a deer in uh, western New York. Um, the, uh, there really isn't much of an explanation. Um, it said uh, it was, let's see, uh, he fired a high-powered rifle at the pickup truck. Um, he mistook it for a deer in, uh, in his scope. Uh, what's wrong with these scopes, you guys? <laughs> what is wrong with these scopes? Um, the sheriff's office says the bullet entered the engine compartment and disabled the truck. Apparently, he's just like, I'm not going home till I kill something, and he killed an engine. <laughs> that is what he did. Um, here's the crazy thing, you guys. Of all these articles we've listened to, this man was arrested on charges <laughs> for uh, reckless endangerment, for shooting the truck. Uh, but, you know. So here's the thing, you guys. I feel like we should play a little game. Do you guys want to play a little game? Because I feel like I just want to make sure, apparently people are having a hard time deciphering humans from animals and things to shoot at. And I feel like we could just get a refresher. Um, I trust all of you here in this room. So this could just be, let's just, you know, let's just make sure that these flashcards are working. We could put them out there on the internet for everyone because apparently people are having a problem. So... So here's a game, you know, I was struggling with what to call it. I was thinking, should we just call it human or animal and have you shout human or animal? But I feel in this case of all these articles, we should just say shoot or don't shoot. All right, can we agree? All right. First one, just go ahead and yell shoot or don't shoot. Ready? 
Okay. I know, you know, I don't like it. I don't like it either. Let's just say animal. Animal, yeah, human yeah, or animal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, because I don't want him shot either. <laughs> he should live. All right, let's start over. Ready? Animal. animal. All right. Human. All right. Oh my God, this is that video game. <laughs> I just realized this is that video game. Was it Nintendo where everyone would like pop up like in the jail? And you'd be like, oh wait, that's a nice lady across the street. Like, and they, their faces would just pop up. All right, ready? Animal. All right, you guys are doing good. And? Human. So far, so good. People are living around here. People are living. All right, ready? Human. I tried to trick you with that one, you guys. You did great. You guys did so good on this one. I was, I was like, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. Also, just like, nobody wear those in the forest, okay? I just feel like, definitely not in upstate New York, all right? Because New York's having a problem. And, see, you know what? That one printed small, and I was like, I'm gonna keep it. Because when you, when you hunt, it's far away, right? You know, like, just imagine we have periscopes that don't work. Okay, or scopes. <laughs> I would love to see somebody hunting with a, a scope, that just, or a periscope. All right, ready? All right, now we got a couple tricky ones coming, and... Animal. All right, you guys are good. Because apparently, as we know from eight minutes ago, somebody didn't get that. Yeah. Somebody didn't... I don't know, guys, he's on all fours. Ugh, I don't know. All right, this one's a tough one. You guys ready? Uh, <laughs> don't shoot. I guess we'll just say don't shoot. You guys, thank you so much. I've been Angela. One more time for Angela Vella. Thank you so much. One thing that I want to point out, the one kind of hunting where it would be understandable to shoot a human was not mentioned at that piece, Bigfoot hunting. Because Bigfoot hunters are goddamned professionals. They don't play that shit. Anyway, our final op-ed reader of the night was the first ever performer on the skewer. They are a po prolific writer, thinker, and educator, and creator of not just one, but two legit memes. Real memes. <laughs> like viral memes that you'd see not even, like if you, like, like a civilian would see these memes. Anyway, please welcome Dr. Erica Price. The first big meme was about cereal, and I made the mistake of putting uh, Frosted Mini Wheats as God tier, <laughs> and people didn't like that. <laughs> okay. On December 14th, the Federal Communications Commission will vote on whether to remove net neutrality rules installed during the Obama administration. This vote, spearheaded by FCC chairman and Trump appointee Ajit Pai, will pass. Don't get me wrong, like every other responsible person, I have been calling the FCC, sending furious emails to the commissioners, grinding my teeth and weeping over my decades-old DeviantArt account in preparation for this vote, but it's gonna pass. Five FCC commissioners will be voting on this policy change. The two Democrats, uh, Mignon Clyburn and Jessica Rosenworcel, are long-standing net neutrality proponents and committed no votes. 
FCC Chairman Ajit Pai is a Republican and former lawyer for Verizon who's been gunning for net neutrality since before the can you hear me now guy was just a glimmer in his parents' sack. <laughs> then there's the other two commissioners, Michael O'Reilly, who co-wrote an anti-net neutrality article um, a week ago alongside Ted Cruz, who definitely hates the internet for broadcasting his porn viewing history and who still hasn't forgiven Tumblr for uncovering his politi political origins as the Zodiac Killer. And the final commissioner, Brendan Carr, has made numerous appearances on C-SPAN celebrating the overturning of net neutrality. And he also gleefully retweets every single piece of hate that he gets about this. And it's really that final piece that has me convinced that no amount of emailing, calling, tweeting, or petitioning will sway the FCC's three Republican votes. Conservative nerds are not like Trump. They don't buckle under the slightest suggestion of rejection. They've been rejected plenty of times. They've been rejected every day of their life since their first debate competition. The other day, Brendan Carr retweeted someone telling him to fuck off, you white ass bitch. <laughs> as, A-S instead of ass. <laughs> Which I, every time I look at it, it makes me happy. Uh, Carr responded to somebody calling him a repulsive monster by just retweeting and just talking about his Thanksgiving dinner. In interviews, Carr and O'Reilly are easygoing, convinced that the public is misguided in its rage, and they're going to vote yes on getting rid of net neutrality, and so is Pi, and they're more than willing to endure the hate messages that come with that. And while we're being grimly realistic about the odds of this motion passing, let's also be clear-eyed and dark-hearted about what this vote really means for us, too. This vote would undo regulations that were put in place in 2015, which uh, classified the internet as a common carrier. That is to say, a public deliverer of goods or information, like bus lines, the postal service, or phone companies. Public deliverers of public goods are controlled by the FCC. If they're caught discriminating against users, maybe by refusing to let a disabled person on the bus or blocking access to a gay dating app, uh, the FCC is in charge of investigating that and penalizing it. So rolling back this rule would classify the internet instead as a product, like a cable package, a laptop, or a car, and it would put it under the purview of the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, not the FCC. So if AT&T blocked you from accessing a website, you'd have to report it and have it investigated in much the same way that you'd report the Amazon seller who gave you knockoff amiibos that don't even work with your Switch. And I was just trying to fucking get the Japanese schoolboy outfit for my Splatoon character, and it's not fucking fair, and I haven't had any justice for that, so I don't, I don't feel really optimistic. This policy change has been heralded as the death knell of the internet as we know it. The potential consequences, as people foretell them, are dire. AT&T will be able to offer a cheap, shitty internet plan that only lets you go to Bing.com, Neopets, and Yahoo Answers. <laughs> Verizon will block you from going to any website with negative reviews of Verizon products. Access to social media sites will be sold in bundles, like cable, $5.99 a month for Snapchat and Instagram, $10.99 a month extra for Tinder and Scruff, Comcast will be able to slow down access to Netflix so that you have to subscribe to Xfinity Instant, and so on. You've probably seen images of what uh, internet access could look like under these rules. 
Congressman Ro Khanna infamously tweeted an advertisement from a telecom in Portugal where, uh, as he reported it, they have no net neutrality. Uh, the phone company uh, was appearing to be charging $4.99 a month for access to Skype, $4.99 a month on top of that to use Facebook on, and Instagram, an additional $4.99 on top of that for Hulu and Netflix. Um, it was a fairly viral image, many of you guys have probably seen it. Uh, people were aghast and of course it drove them to call the FCC in mass. In looking at this forecast, there's one big problem um, with this image of what a world without net neutrality would look like. All of these things are legal right now. Under current net neutrality rules, your internet service provider is allowed to block sites. They are allowed currently to sell restricted access to a limited number of web services. And they are permitted already to bundle sites and sell access to them like cable packages. And this has always been legal since the internet's inception. The only legal restriction uh, is that if an in internet provider does do any of this, they do have to tell you about it. The few times that the FCC has actually punished a corporation for violating the rules, it's been for not telling users that they were blocking a service or website, not for the blocking itself. And this would still be the case under the new net neutrality rules. Right now, the only thing that's keeping AT&T, Comcast, and all the rest from restricting your internet access is, and I really hate to say this without irony, the invisible hand of the market. Uh, these monopolistic, craven, bloated companies are apparently afraid that we'd ditch home internet access in favor of our phone's data plans if they blocked our beloved farmers only or FetLife. Speaking, yeah, ooh, farmers only. You, can, you, can, you can't be gay on that one, okay. Um, I made my mom an account. <laughs> that's, that's a uh, speaking of cell phone data plans, let's talk about Portugal. Portugal is a member of the EU, which has net neutrality. So that image that you've seen circulating where the internet in Portugal is sold in little packages is not what it appears to be. That advertisement is for a phone's unlimited data plan. Customers aren't having to pay $4.99 a month to be able to access Facebook. They have the option of paying $4.99 a month to get unlimited data on Facebook. All sites are still accessible to all users. You have the option of paying extra for unlimited data for the sites you use most. Um, it still reflects an under-the-table, cronyish deal between social media sites and corporations, but it's not the kind of like uh, corporate censorship that people are making it out to be. So could we be like Portugal after the FCC's vote on December 14th? Absolutely, but we already are like that right now, so that's why. Uh, T-Mobile is currently offering users in the US a free Netflix subscription if they sign up for a cell phone plan. AT&T's unlimited data plan includes access to HBO, and Facebook has been accepting ad revenue from literally any alt-right shitbag who applies for years, which last year caused all of our country boy dipshit relatives to turn into conspiracy theorists who believed Hillary Clinton runs a pedophilic pizza parlor. So the internet is kind of already pretty tainted. Corporations are merging and cutting deals all around us, influencing what we have access to, what we see, and how easy the truth is to find. And maybe even more problematically, internet activity is already increasingly centralized, the way cable viewing is. Nearly all user activity is directed to a handful of sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. These are our news networks, phone lines, and entertainment hubs. 
People don't freely roam small, obscure websites run by individuals or small organizations like they once did. Nearly everyone gets their news primarily from social media posts. Advertisements are subtly embedded in viral content and are rarely labeled properly. Thank you, FTC. Our posts, drafts, and browsing history are logged and sold. Um, Facebook does uh, track every deleted like draft that you ever have. So every like fucked up embarrassing thing that you've almost put into the world, they like especially know that one. Uh, we don't form our websites or create our own platforms. Instead, we give a massive site all our personal information, freely give away our own creative output, and then consume poorly regulated advertisements for the privilege of doing so. Shout out to medium.com where I'll be posting this later. Yeah. <laughs> all while pay paying upwards of $60 a month on average for internet access that is slower than in the rest of the industrial industrialized world. Our internet here in the US has always been a mysteriously filtered, biased cesspool poisoned by corporate monopolistic influence. But social media platforms have further convinced us to filter, restrict, and sell ourselves. Back in 2015, every major site in existence rallied in support of Obama's net neutrality policies and encouraged readers to call the FCC in support of it. You can remember those pop-ups that were pretty much any time you went online uh, during that era. In the ensuing two years, many major social media sites have been bought by a corporation that also owns an internet service provider, and so now they're all eerily silent on this issue. Even with net neutrality, meaningful internet access will keep getting harder to find. A few regulations won't protect the open free internet. That internet has been dying for a long time, and we expedited that death with our own social media habits. To turn this thing around, we'll need to dismantle the control that large companies have over our internet access, convert the internet into a true public utility that everyone has equal access to, and make the conscious choice as consumers to seek out information and filter it ourselves, rather than have an advertiser do the algorithm for us. But it's not really looking like we're heading in that direction. Thank you. Thank you so much. One more time for Erica Price. Before I move on to the debate portion of the evening, I'd like to thank Cafe Mustache for hosting The Skewer for 25 months. Thank you, Cafe Mustache. You're great. Yeah. Buy drinks from them. Make them make money off us so they don't kick us out. Um, anyway, as I suggested, the final portion of this evening is going to be The Skewer debate. There's always one topic that one person's opinion can't fully encompass. You have to hear both sides, and you, the audience, will decide the victor. So first, allow me to bring our debaters up to the stage. The first is an artist, poet, and computer programmer in Chicago. She is the producer of The Skewer, co-producer, me too. Uh, she's funny, very great, just a delight. Please welcome Erica Dreisbach. Our second debater is a pop culture writer for the AV Club Jezebel and the Chicago Reader and also the founder of the intersectional sex and dating advice website, thewildparty.club. Please welcome Ashley Ray Harris. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. You're right. So, 
This month, of course, is December, and what is December without Christmas? And all of us are goddamned SJWs. So if there's one thing that we care about on Christmas time is the war on Christmas, which is real. We hate Christmas. We want to kill it in a war. Like, right? Yes. Yeah? Kill Christmas in a war. That's our goal here. And so what the question then becomes, what is the best way to win the war on Christmas? What is our strategy for 2017? Uh, and that is what you two will be debating. Do you want to, like, keep it secret or announce? Announce. Yeah. Want to announce? Erica, what is the strategy you're going to be arguing for? We should put on Star uh, Starbucks cups a paragraph about eliminating white culture and a list of gender-neutral pronouns. <laughs> Ashley, what's your strategy? I believe that we should tell children that Santa Claus delivers the severed heads of billionaires for Christmas. It's delightful. So the way this skewer debate works, both of our debaters are going to have about five minutes to read opening statements. I'm going to come back up, ask them questions on the fly. They've never seen these questions before. They're going to have to make up answers right in front of your dang eyes. And then they will both have a minute to give closing statements to fully convince you. And then you will decide the victor. Ashley, would you like to go first? Okay, that's... You know, I did ask. Erica. I'll go first. Tonight, I am tasked with a position that aligns with my cherished actual values that I have in real life. So this is not a character tonight, this is just me. Even more excellent, my opponent also has a position that I agree with in real life and does not conflict with mine. Si, por qué no los dos? Starbucks is a great place to wage social justice war. Their ground game is the envy of Allied Command. They just opened their largest location in Shanghai, a city steeped in ancient tea culture. <clears throat> a city steeped in ancient tea culture. Don't groan, you love it. And Starbucks is a hair trigger to red hat, neck beard, jean skirt, white pride America who are obsessed. Every detail on the cups rich and radiant with infuriating meaning. And often, their retaliatory tactics involve buying a lot of Starbucks. So Starbucks is going to want to get in on this plan. But also, given the market penetration, given the daily addictive consumption among normals and basic bitches, which is a term that I use with affection, a progressive message on a Starbucks cup has the opportunity to actually move the cultural needle towards a more chill and open-minded public life. So what do we print? I'll tell you. We lead with a big, bold paragraph about wiping out white culture. Mm! Right away, the first veil comes off and we're buck naked. Not wiping out white people, per se, but also definitely some white people. Yes, absolutely. Some, maybe a lot of white people. Certainly white culture, if that's even a thing, it has had its day, mostly stealing from other better cultures, and now it's in those last Balrog death throes of it's dying, but that's when it's at its most whip tendril, violent and dangerous. Meanwhile, most people are ready to erase white culture, if that's even a thing. And they might not even know it yet. Take Hamilton. 
billion dollars. Most popular musical at all time. Mike's Pence even went, and he stayed for the whole thing. And it deliberately erases whiteness from, can you believe it? The American God-loving revolution. Look at Meghan Markle! Black princess! Black princess in Windsor Castle! Maybe two generations from now, maybe the whole house will be black. And if we do our Starbucks cups right, the monarchy will be wiped out too, as well as all capitalist entities, including Starbucks. We're gonna create a reality that just folds in on itself into a singularity. Then we're gonna dance on the singularity. So that's the front of the cup. Fuck whiteness. On the back, we have a fun little table of gender-neutral English language singular pronouns. So I went to Thanksgiving, despite my misgivings, given that Thanksgiving is a holiday about using then slaughtering First Nation peoples on this continent, but I'm like everybody else. I live in the dialectic. Yes, it's a horrifying holiday, and yes, I enjoy community and hot food and five-day weekends, so yes, I will come to Thanksgiving. So I'm there, and there's five babies at this Thanksgiving. Yeah, sit with that for a second. And the adult parents are talking about how baby boys are so different from baby girls, just so different. And I said, yeah, because baby boys are always talking about their penises, which got a laugh. You guys didn't laugh, but they laughed. Um, Because that joke could have gone either way. If I handed any of you an infant in a green onesie, 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 there's no way. You could tell what kind of genitals that baby had, which is all that a baby has. A baby is a lumpy flesh loaf with monochrome vision and poor motor control. It doesn't have a gender. But you'd be like, with the green onesie, like, well, it's fussy, so it has a vulva and it's a girl. Or you'd be like, mm, it's strong and it looks like it's good at math. So it's a boy and it has a wang. For sure. There's no way you can tell what gender that baby's gonna be when it's old enough to actually grok its gender. I'm not really debating anymore, I'm just soapboxing, it's okay. Uh, But in fairness, that obsession with gendering babies is a function, and dare I say, failure of language. Because if you don't land on him or her, then you're left with it, which, no. Or the singular they, which is good, but uh, number agreement. If only there was another way, and that's where our nice little data table on the Starbucks cups come in, which will essentially be a printout of Wikipedia's page on alternative third-person pronouns. You have your zim and your zis, you have your z and your zir. From the 70s, there's co, which I think is so 70s, I love it. There's also ver, pam, per, he, hum, je, ve, and my favorite, yo. Let's hear that one in a sentence. I'm gonna give our boss two weeks notice. Yo's not gonna like that. (laughs) Put it all in a cup. What'll happen next? Gradually at first, people try out some of these pronouns, maybe ironically at first, but then no, actually I like this. Then maybe that gets complicated and overwhelming. Maybe we just stop interrogating and affirming gender constantly. We just call everybody by their names as if they are gods or celebrities. I want to be treated like a god or a celebrity. Don't you want that? I'd like to see the end of culture. If, why not culture? White culture, if that's even a thing. These are lofty goals. 
but its longest journey begins with a single step. And today that step is a cup. That was beautiful. I don't have notes. I have a drink. But here we go. My opponent has a beautiful idea. Starbucks is impressive, especially that Shanghai location. They do have a steep history in tea. But any good SJW knows that Starbucks is just another bastion of capitalism that must be destroyed. Can I tell you about Germany? Do you know what they care about in Germany? The trains being on time. The bread being fresh out of the oven at 6 a.m. Don't do anything with Nazis. That's what they care about in Germany. You know what they don't care about in Germany? Christmas. They're not really big fans of it. I lived there. They're like pretty whatever about it. It wasn't a big deal. You want to know why? Because in Germany, they have a little thing called Krampus. That's their Santa Claus. He's a man, just a man, not even like magic. He doesn't even have like reindeers. He's not even like, I go to every house in the world. No, he's just a man who sneaks into your house and eats the children their toes. Just eats the toes of children. Which is the weirdest part probably of a child. Yeah, actually that's probably the best part of a child to eat. Just gonna, legally speaking, probably start with the toes and then don't eat any more parts of the children. But that is why they don't really care about Christmas. You want to believe that some corporation like Starbucks is going to change things? No. You got to start with the kids. Because this is the sad truth. The majority of white 18 to 24-year-olds voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, the youth aren't doing any better for us. They're still, like, all about this bullshit. This is way too high for me. Uh, I'm just going to be a comic now. Uh, they, they, they don't, they, these kids, 18 to 24, they're still racist because they're raised by their racist parents. But you know what could change that? You know how we really destroy Christmas? We destroy the idea of Christmas. We destroy the idea of Santa Claus entirely. Picture it. You're talking to your niece, your daughter, your son, and you're explaining the miracle of Christmas. Well, there's a jolly old man, and he flies through the sky with a bag full of severed heads. <laughs> of billionaires, sweetheart, billionaires. And in the morning, you wake up, and in your stocking, there is the bleeding, rotting head of Donald Trump. Merry Christmas, darling, Merry Christmas. There is no better attack on Christmas than starting with the children, and they can't even afford Starbucks. They, like, they're stupid children. They don't even get allowances probably yet. But what they will understand 
is a bag of severed heads. I don't know, like, if someone founded Tesla cars. I didn't do any research. I just have a drink in my hand. But I imagine the person who created Tesla cards is probably a billionaire. And I can't think of anything that would just terrify my nieces and nephews more than seeing his bloody, lifeless eyes on Christmas Day. That's how we destroy Christmas. We start with the children. That is the best attack that we could have. Starbucks, a formidable corporation for sure. But would I like to see pronouns on that cup? No. I would like to see the severed heads of billionaires. That's my whole argument. Thank you. Oh, goodness. Thank you to both Erica and Ashley for those delightful opening statements. Come on. Well, just a little one. Thank you. Now becomes the question and answer portion of the evening. I'm going to start off with a question for you, Erica. You talked a lot about what's going to go on on the outside of these cups to, to win the war on Christmas. What about the inside? What can Starbucks do to make an explicitly anti-Christmas drink? So uh, I'm thinking about blood right now as my opponent invoked it and heads and maybe heads on the cups. And I think she might have meant the image of heads on the cups, but I was like, nah, nah. This can be like when they divide a saint up into a hundred pieces. Like every cup has a piece. And then that would really freak everyone the fuck out. If we destroy Starbucks, clearly we will destroy Christmas. So it all goes hand in hand. I don't even need to explain that. I think we're all on board with that logic. So blood in the cups and body parts on the outside, with still with the pronouns and the white culture, uh, I think that's going to do it. That's pretty, that's pretty legit. I like that. Ashley, I have a question for you. So Santa Claus, as we all know, he's magic. He does things that are impossible. And there, there are these fun little things that they use to explain away. How are you going to explain away uh, Santa never running out of billionaire heads? <laughs> Good point. Uh, I mean, I don't really follow economics. <laughs> but I feel like uh, there's a lot of billionaires out like, I don't know, I feel like 1% of the world controls probably I'm ballparking 98% of the wealth. Right, right? That sounds right Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe we start years one through five billionaires, we downgrade to de- the millionaires. You know, maybe it's a system that we put in place, but there's enough fucking rich people out there that by the time we're hitting, like, Kim Kardashian's severed head in a bag, like, we're probably like, you know what, I'm over this whole Christmas thing. Fair point, fair point. I like it. Erica. Yes. I got a question for you. You you even mentioned the premise in your your opener. What's the plan if a bunch of alt-right boys swagger on in, and I use swagger very loosely, uh, swagger on into Starbucks and 
try to own you by giving fake names like men's rights so you have to like write them on the cup. Like, this is one of those buy Starbucks to protest Starbucks plans. I think that should be encouraged because ultimately there's going to be more cups around and more cups is more anti-Christmas messaging because as soon as you advance culture to the left and make everyone feel a little more chill and open-minded and progressive, you're destroying Christmas, which is, and also unborn children, which is another thing that social justice warriors hate. That didn't go over well as well as I thought it would. I'm thinking about there was a Roy Moore surrogate and she was like, oh, leftists want to destroy pregnancies up until the moment of birth. And I was like, really? Anyway, but for the purposes of this debate, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ashley, I got a question. Santa Claus giving heads. Awesome. We love it. But Santa's got a bunch of more stuff attached to him. The whole mythos, the elves, the Mrs. Claus, the workshop. How are we going to retheme them to make them dope as hell and about murder? Easy. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is really just the story of like how your differences can be exploited for profit. <laughs> That's all that story is. We break down the walls and we tell the children the truth. Santa Claus, his wife? Mrs. Claus? What woman said yes? <laughs> Send me up there to the North Pole with the reindeers and the tiny people. This is my life. You can you fly around all the time. No. No woman wanted that. She's not real. I don't believe it. I think that Mrs. Claus is a snow woman that Santa Claus built. And that is not a hard lie to tell children because children are dumb. We literally, if we focus on the children, we can shape Christmas with any narrative we would like. I again point to Krampus. He's literally a demon who eats children toes and people in Denmark are like, haha, that's cool. They're just like, that's fun. They don't give a shit about Christmas over there. They're just like, he eats children's toes, and it's like a chill thing that he does, guys. You know, you leave some bread at the end of your bed. Like, first of all, I think we need to really lower the expectations of Christmas overall anyway. Like, I don't think in America we should really be like, you're going to wake up and you're going to have $20 million thousand dollars worth of presents in a car. I think we need to just tell kids, like, you're going to wake up and there will be food on the table and you're thankful. <laughs> and that is how us SJWs will break this thing down. Beautiful. I have a question that I want you both to answer before you get to your, uh, your closing statements. You both made compelling arguments. It's clear to me now that Christmas will be killed. It's guaranteed. Uh, so when we SJW millennials win that war, if we're not going to stop there. We want blood. We want to kill all the good things because we're millennials. What holiday comes next and how do we kill it? Probably 9-11. Coming for you, 9-1-1. Followed by Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Shut that shit right down. Leave Martin Luther King Day. And Halloween. I was going to say Easter. 
I, I was in uh, um, v- Valentine's Day. <laughs> First of all, who in here likes Valentine's Day? Oh, I'm so glad you were all so silent because none of us do. None. Of, yeah, that's that's the crowd response I like. Fuck that, right? Let's go with Easter. Knock that one out. I mean, I do love that Friday off of work. And I like when the Catholic people come to work with shit on their head. And I'm like, did you bump into something, you stupid idiot? You're so dumb. You ran into a branch. And they're like, it's a church thing. And I'm like, shut up. But after that, I'm going to go Valentine's Day. Because they're just a grip of the hallmark society we live in. And I say we just change all of them to murderous, bloody events. No longer do we have Easter. We have the Easter bunny who eats children's fingers. And no longer is there Valentine's Day, but instead there's St. Valentine who chokes children to death (laughs) if they have crushes as a child. And it's like... I don't know, Mom. I'm sorry that I think Adrian is cute, but, like, he's cute, and he's in my class, and my mom's like, Adrian's not even cute, Ashley, so, like, get over it. And you're just, like, heartbroken, and you're like, Mom, please, I just have a crush. Whatever. We'll work it out where we work it out. But all I have to say is Easter, Valentine's Day, Christmas? No, thank you. I would rather celebrate the blood of billionaires. Very good. So that's the question and answer segment. You probably are percolating an opinion in your head, but first, you got to hear the final closing arguments before you make your final judgment. I forget who went first. You got to go first now. As I have said many times tonight... If we want to change the future, we must start with the children. And the best way to terrify children is to tell them they will wake up to a bloody severed head in their bed. And that's exactly what I believe we should do. The head of Elon Musk, who's probably a billionaire, will be in your bed. Bill Gates, yeah, that's in your bed other billionaires that we all know the names of because we all did our research before this debate in a child's bed. There's nothing more that children fear than blood and guts. And with the children comes change. You see, I believe the children are our future, which my opponent does not believe clearly. But I do, and so did Whitney Houston, and, like, she had some good ideas. Except about Coke. But she had a few good ones when it came to kids. I think that we tell them, Santa Claus is going to bring you blood, gore, guts. They won't want it anymore. As I mentioned, Germany, what do they care about? The trains. Fresh bread, sausage, and beer. But not Christmas. Kristalna? No, that is the wrong one. Chris Kindlemots? Not the other one. That's so different. Uh, Chris Kindlemots downtown? That's a lie. That's a lie they feed you. 
Germany doesn't care about fucking Christmas. They care about roasted nuts and mulvine because it tastes good. And it doesn't have anything to do with some dude named Saint Nicholas. So we tell our children he cuts off the heads of the people who made the internet and computers or whatever. I don't actually know why Elon Musk is like a a billionaire. I don't know. He's just a name that I know. But we tell them, you want to wake up to that on Christmas? You want to wake up to that? Or do you want to wake up to a future that believes in socialism and justice? and warriors. <laughs> I rest my case. Social justice warriors, it may seem bleak out there, but indeed we have the ingredients of victory ready to hand. We've got white priders just dying to know what the cup's gonna say and so that they and their crying eagle Twitter avatars can weep about it, giving us a massive signal boost. We've got 50 million Heathers and Rebeccas and Madisons. They're excited. They're excited about boots and sweater weather, and they're thirsty. And they need their daily venti caramel non-whipped non-fat latte. They're ready to wake up. And we have Starbucks with soy ink and 30% post-consumer recycled, and they need content. And what we put, what content we put on that cup is gonna convince them to totally rethink their worldview, totally rethink things. Why am I gendering babies? Why do I care about whiteness? Why do I care about Christmas? We could, we could do this, guys. Starbucks could really do this, and they might even would. In 2005, this is real, if you were working part-time at Starbucks, you could get healthcare benefits for your gay partner. Starbucks is so down to clown with social justice war. And as I've said before, it's got a little contentious tonight, but we don't have to fight, Ashley. We could just put everything on the cup. We could just fight Christmas together. For you in the audience, that means no matter who you vote for tonight, I'm going to feel like a winner. And we'll all be winners. Congratulations and happy holidays. All right, so you've heard the fall debate, and what are, what are our debaters fighting for? Well, I'll show you. It's a fancy skewer with a shiny bauble at the end. Look at how pretty it is. Yeah, I'm going to keep going until I get a reaction I deem appropriate. Okay, there we go. Don't want to go too crazy. It's just a skewer. Uh, so, we're going to need an impartial judge. Sir, would you like to judge who gets the louder applause? when I asked the crowd. Cool. So who among you believes that the winner of that debate arguing for Starbucks cups with social justice shit on it is Erica Dreisbach? And who believes that the winner of this debate arguing for having Santa distribute fucking viscera is Ashley Ray Harris? Well, I can't solve this mystery. Impartial judge. Ashley Ashley is the winner! Congratulations, Ashley! I mean, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I, it's they are fancy. I brought one from home just in case Erica forgot. Uh, it doesn't have any bobble on the end. It's crappy. You got the good one. Anyway, thank you to our debaters. That was fantastic. Um, so before we go, I just want to point out that, that if you may have seen coming in a donation bucket, uh, all the money you put in there is going to go to the writers and performers that you saw tonight to like pay them for doing art for you, which is cool. Uh, but if you don't have any cash, that's fine too. It's a free show. Um, also, we are a podcast. We've been recording this all. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. We're the Skewer Podcast, as you may imagine. And although we are usually here the first Wednesday of every month, we are going to be taking January off. So uh, if you like what you saw, come back the first Wednesday of February, I think, which is like the some, it's some number from one to seven. Uh, but yeah, that's all we got at the Skewer. I've been Tom Harrison. Thank you so much for coming and see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Skewer podcast. If you liked what you heard, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. You can also leave us a review there. We would really like that. Uh, or you could come to a live show. We are live in Chicago at Cafe Mustache on the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LSkewer or email us at skewerchicago at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.